are you? I'm a... I'm... I'm a... I'm a... I'm just... You're a, a T-Rex? Yeah, I'm a T-Rex! And I have big wings! <laughs> I didn't know T-Rexes had wings. My name is Tara, and I am the blind mom, and... And I'm Tyler. I am the dad in a wheelchair. And welcome to our podcast, Crip Parenting. I thought the first thing we do is talk just a, for a quick second about why we chose this name. I was telling my mom about doing the podcast, and she said, Oh, that sounds cool. What are you going to call it? And I said, Crip Parenting. And there was this awkward pause. And she goes, are you sure you shouldn't call it that? And I said, have you seen the movie Crip Camp on Netflix? And she said, what's that? And I said, ah. So there is a great documentary, Crip Camp, on Netflix. And it's all about the disability civil rights movement. And so that is why we chose Crip Parenting. Because we are both parents who have disabilities. And this is, Crip Parenting is our way of thanking all of the people that crawled up the Capitol steps and were in that federal building for days and days uh, because I think the Americans with Disabilities Act has been a huge part in what we've been able to do. So I thought for today we'd talk just a little bit about our childhoods and growing up. Um, so you can start to get to know us and then later you'll get to know our kids. The little girl at the beginning of the recording is our oldest daughter and she was about two. A lot of times I'm asked by people as a blind mom, how do you deal with the fact that you can't take photos and see pictures? And sometimes I do miss that, but I am a record holic of my children. I have true. I have hours of recordings of them. Um, and whenever I'm gone, I, I know I'm always starting to really miss them when I start listening to those recordings. We were both premature infants, and we both weighed... A grand total of two pounds, four ounces. <laughs> four ounces. And we were both three months early. Do you want to talk just a little bit about your birth story and disability? Sure. So I was um, I was born with arthrodiposis. Uh, in essence, my arms and legs have uh, very little muscle and are are twisted. When I was born. Um, I made my grand entrance into the world. I think hung on for dear life. I, uh, I'm very grateful to um, a nurse who stayed by my side for 24 hours to keep me alive. And, and this was uh, back in the early 80s. Certainly, you know, medicine has come a long way, but that nurse 
um, stayed on an extra 12 hours, I think, to, to see me through my first uh, day of life. I'm very grateful to her. I also uh, believe some divine intervention was, was involved to um, keep me here and, and kick in. So I'm, I'm glad I made it through that first day and beyond. I'm glad you did too. <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. You're too kind. I know. So I was also a preemie. I was a twin. Uh, my twin sister was named Amy Marie, and our oldest daughter, her first name is Marie after my twin. We have a few Amys in the family, so we named her after my, my twin. When you're that little, you have about a 50% survival rate. And my twin passed away after six weeks. Um, I came home from the hospital and they were thinking that everything was fine and dandy. And then my mom took me to an eye specialist and he said, everything's fine and dandy. And then he called her back and said, no, on second thought, her retinas are not functioning. So I have what is called retinopathy of prematurity. And so that means that... Your blind is a bat? Well, no. I'm, yeah. I'd be so cool to be blind as a bat just to say that you're blind as a bat. But I have a little bit of vision. If you were to put about 10 layers of wax paper (laughs) over your left eye and close your right eye, that would be about what I see. So there's no, there's no detail to my world. I can see a person there, but I can't see any facial features or anything like that. I can see colors or I can see more the shades of colors rather than the the colors. I can tell if it's light or dark, but I have, for example, a green sweater and a purple sweater. And I often ask. You've come out asking me, is this the green sweater? (laughs) When in actuality, no, it's the purple. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I am also really grateful for, modern medicine and and all the doctors and stuff that worked to keep me alive so um me too (laughs) so should we talk about you know i want to just say for for a second and back up and say how grateful i am for you know the the americans with disabilities act and uh those who founded that disability rights movement because I think I think uh, we owe a huge debt of gratitude to them uh, for the work they did and um, I I honestly don't think without um, that legislation we'd be we'd be where we are today so yeah yeah just a slight Fast forward to whoever's out there in listening land when this finally gets published. But um, Tyler works full time from home right now. <laughs> Yay, pandemic! <laughs> Thank you, COVID. And um, and I am staying home with our two little girls doing online school. Thank you again, COVID. I hate online school. And it's your favorite thing in the world. Come on now. (laughs) Are you kidding? (laughs) But um, our poor daughter had a meltdown (laughs) earlier this week. She wants to go back. Anyway, um, 
but yeah, I, I, I think that the Americans you know, with Disabilities Act, do you, do you want to talk just really briefly about what you do for a uh, living? Well, yeah, so I work for Brigham Young University and uh, we live about 40 miles from, uh, from the school and, you know, pre-pandemic life, I, I would wake up at 5 a.m. and get ready for the day uh, with, with help from my caregiver. And uh, you know, she'd drive me to the light rail station. And from there, I'd journey for two hours to get down to work. And then, you know, reverse that commute at the end of the day. Um, I... Uh, at this point in life, kind of miss that. Um, I think I think I didn't realize how much of a um, an unwind period the trip home is for me. <laughs> you know, being able to have some time to separate from work and gear up for for the home routine uh, really uh, meant a lot to me. And I didn't realize that until until You're... March of last year when that was all stripped away. But, but... now your commute is Tyler. Will you edit Marie's writing? <laughs> yep. Tyler. And five seconds later. I can't get this to work during online school. Will you fix it? And Tyler, can you be in charge of chores tonight? I promise I'll feed you if you do. <laughs> yes. Yes. But but you know back to. Back to um, the role of the ADA, you know, being able to commute to and from work on public transit, uh, you know, as painful as it is for you to help Marie through uh, online schooling, um, you do have some access uh, with, with JAWS, your screen reader, yeah, Jaws yeah. is a. Our Jaws is not the shark. It's a job access with. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes, yeah. with speech, and and our children um, don't like it. <laughs> they tell it to shut up a lot. <laughs> yes, but 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 there again, I mean, all of these things are in place uh, because of this legislation. So we we want to dedicate. Um, I think this podcast yeah, to, I think so, absolutely. to the memory and, and the work of those who who did so much to make access possible for us. Yep. So thank you. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of doing some of our questions off of StoryCorps in case anybody out there is curious. Um, we're trying to figure out how to introduce how to introduce ourselves to people when we <laughs> know ourselves. <laughs> so um, do you want to talk about a little bit about growing up and what that was like and siblings and sure siblings and school and sure. So I am the oldest of five kids. I've got uh, three brothers and one sister. And I think there are about, there's a 10 year span between me and my youngest sibling. Uh, so we were all, we all pretty well grew up together and 
had lots of fun, lots of crazy uh, times. When you've got, you know, like my parents had four boys, um, things tended to get a little rowdy around the house. And Your mom must have been so over the moon when she had a, a daughter. She was. <laughs> she was elated. And my sister knows how to hold her own. Uh, <laughs> she she don't take no crap from no one. And uh, uh, anyway, it's fun. It, it served her well throughout her life. But um, I don't know. We had lots of fun growing up. We'd play cops and robbers outside in the in the driveway. I'd usually be the cop because I had the the wheelchair that would double as the uh, police car. So uh, I'd usually try to go capture my my brothers and they'd get on the back of my chair and I'd haul them off to jail. Um, you know, I remember other times when it was a little bit less of a of a formal game, but uh, we, growing up, we would tie a long rope onto the back of my chair. And uh, we lived in a cul-de-sac at the time. We'd go around the cul-de-sac and the adjoining street and go pick up um, a bunch of neighbor kids on their rollerblades. And they'd all grab onto the back, of, you know, onto the rope rather, and uh, I'd go tearing around the street and <laughs> whipping them right and left and right again and try to kind of whip them off the chair. And uh, we all had a great time. I loved, as I would, uh, you know, do that whipping, watching them kind of let go of the rope and fly past me <laughs> on the right and the left. And, and then we'd all join onto the rope again. That oh, was super fun. fun. So... What about for you? Um, so I had, I have a, I think Brady Bunch didn't totally work out <laughs> <laughs> family. <laughs> so my mom married a guy. They had two sons and one daughter, got divorced. My dad married a lady. They had two sons and one daughter, got divorced. And then they got married and that lasted a week. <laughs> But as they say, a week is long enough, so here I am. Um, I think this is probably <laughs> okay to say this on a podcast, but in the words of my dad, after a week, your mom told me to get out and I was happy to go. <laughs> so my parents are very opposite um, oh, yes, they people personality. Are. My mom is, is type A to the hilt and my dad is type B. But they were both uh, very involved in my life. I went and saw my dad every other weekend. And um, I, we lived right across the street from my grandparents, uh, his, his mom and dad. And I have such great memories of going over there. Um, we'd go over there for, for mush, whole wheat mush mm -hmm. and waffles every Saturday. Mm. And was that at breakfast time? It was breakfast time, mm. yeah. And my my grandmother loved collecting statues of Victorian um huh. women and and there was a rumor around the family that they ended up having a bit of a fight because grandpa got this new fancy stereo system. 
that he was hoping to just leave, you know, open. And Grandma saw that as a beautiful new knickknack shelf <laughs> for all her, for more, more Victorian statues. More surface area, more <laughs> statues to love. And uh, Grandma won that fight. <laughs> so, so I, I, uh, I didn't think anything of it as a kid, but she she always let me touch any of her statues that I wanted to, and I I have one of them in a little shadow box um, that hangs in our bathroom, and um, I think probably my favorite memory of those grandparents is that my grandfather he lived to be 101 years old. At the end of his life, he had macular degeneration and he was going uh, deaf as well. And close by was, by their home, was a, a dance, a, a supermarket. And I came over there one time to visit and I woke grandma up from a nap and grandpa wasn't there. And then uh-huh. grandpa comes in and, and grandma goes, Joe, where were you? And uh, and he said, well, I drove over to Dan's. I, I think I maybe had asked where the car was. <laughs> and uh, Why, because you didn't run into it? I'm pretty much. <laughs> uh, yes. And so so Grandma says to Grandpa, where were you? And he said, well, I, I drove over to Dan's. And she goes, Joe, you know you're not supposed to do that. And he goes, well, you're not supposed to wake up and find out. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's awesome. But they were really kind people so and I all of my siblings were always a really important um part of my life and you were the you're the youngest yeah I was the youngest I was the youngest and the only sibling that I have that shares both my parents is my twin who died so it's kind of a unique situation but um I remember my senior year just before my senior year of high school, I had read about a camp for blind college-bound musicians. Um, I'm a flutist. That The flute that you'll hear at the beginning and end of the podcast is uh, it's an alto flute, actually, and it's my flute teacher and I playing a, a duet together. So um, anyway, I was telling my brother about this camp, and he was just about to enter his final year of law school, so he he wasn't wealthy by any means and he said you're going and I said well but it costs some money and he said I'll help you and you're going and he helped pay for part of that tuition and made it happen and I've always been that was like one of my favorite memories of childhood which is go hang out with a bunch of other blind musicians and be away from home for three weeks it's just really fun that's awesome I remember another story uh, where my siblings weren't quite so generous that we <laughs> we had a we had a bunch of these overstuffed uh, plastic beanbag chairs in our basement growing up and my brother just younger than me thought it would be fun to put that beanbag chair on top of my head <laughs> while I was laying on the floor and uh, sit on it I think all my siblings piled onto it I remember couldn't breathe and it was dark and it's like wait let me out of here my my uh I think my dad was downstairs or my mom was she came running down and they uh 
quickly rescued me from certain death. <laughs> it's so, hilarious. Anyway, you know, some siblings are generous, others are not. Now, uh, now I have to say, my, I love my siblings. I think they uh, are awesome. I've got a lack of sibling generosity story. <laughs> so my mom's favorite meal to make for everybody was 15 bean soup because it was cheap and she liked the flavor, but none of the rest of us liked the flavor. And uh, one time she had gone out for the evening and we were all home and she said, make sure to eat that 15 bean soup. <laughs> and we, we chucked it. <laughs> we ran it down the garbage disposal. There was no way we were eating that. So my sister, my um, sister had just gotten married and she and her husband came over for dinner and uh, my mom made 15 bean soup and my brother-in-law had not been subjected to childhood trauma of 15 bean soup for dinner. So he's perfectly happy to eat 15 bean soup. Did he like it? He, he did. It he okay. liked it. Yep, he did. And my sister and I had spaghetti. And I was going to go up and get myself some more spaghetti. And she goes, oh, I'll, I'll get it for you. And I said, well, are you sure? She goes, yeah. And I said, well, thanks. Oh, no. So she... She brings it back and I pour my usual, you know, the shaker things of like that Parmesan cheese powder. Like that craft yeah. uh, cheese that's, that's half sawdust. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I love that stuff. So I like pile it on like a blizzard. And I am eating away, enjoying my, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my uh, parmesan cheese with a little spaghetti there you sure that was spaghetti uh yeah no that was it was not spaghetti so <laughs> uh -huh. my family starts laughing and i'm like what and my sister goes i put 15 bean soup on top of your spaghetti instead of sauce <laughs> oh did and you it, even taste it no it had so much parmesan cheese oh, that no, I, I couldn't taste it <laughs> well there you go lesson learned just drown your your soup woes and sawdust and parmesan cheese <laughs> so um do you want to talk about school what was school like for you oh you know school i have a lot of great memories in school um during my first couple years in elementary school I had this amazing uh teacher i was i was in uh they called it a cluster program back then where I was in with other uh, disabled kids. And uh, so we spent half the day in the cluster program and then the other half of the day integrating with the regular class. But, but some of my favorite memories were, were in that cluster program. I had my teacher who uh, was, was just amazing. Um, and every year, well, not every year, but uh, when I was in kindergarten, I remember she would put on this thick red lipstick uh, on Valentine's Day. And granted, this was, again, back in the early 80s. Uh, if this were done today, the poor teacher would probably be um, prosecuted. <laughs> but... Uh, Times are very different, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. She put on this bright red lipstick and gave all of us a kiss on the cheek. And uh, she affectionately 
became known as Hot Lips Hampton. She was such a neat... I got to meet her when you did a presentation, and she was a neat... I liked her a lot. She seemed like a very kind, yeah, very giving this person. Was, this was, what, 30-plus years later? Well, there was a teacher um, who kept pets, and oh, no. she she... She was out in the the portable classrooms, and I, she must have just insisted on being in the portable classrooms because her classroom smelled like pets. And she had snakes and hamsters and rabbits and turtles. She had all yeah. kinds of, of, of... Well, you're not very appreciative, so... I know. She had... And I loved to go and look at her her pets. And then... By the time I was done looking at the pets, the crossing guard had left. I was I was really huh. close to the elementary school. We could we could walk home. And to walk home, you had to cross Main Street, which was just a busy oh. a busy street. And so, and so what I would do, because <laughs> I wasn't sure. I mean, I think I think it's like, a, isn't it a four or six lane road? I'm pretty sure it was with, a four. Okay, with a median. I, I've been up there, so yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that street. Yeah, so little little blind me was <laughs> across the road, and so what I would do is I would hold out my cane and get the entire population of Main Street to come to a halt, and then I would like march across the street. Huh. And I'm pretty sure, if my memory serves me right, um, I could see the lines of the crosswalk, and I didn't want any. I wanted to make sure everybody stopped, so I would walk across the street waving my cane in the air. Oh. To make sure that sighted people didn't kill me, but and I was always really scared to do that. But I really wanted to pet the hamsters, so I did it anyway. Good for you. Yes. Way to go! <laughs> Risk your life for the hamsters. That's right. Yep. <laughs> I think you're being a little sarcastic, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> well, my humblest apologies. Um, um, do you want to talk about any? Do you have any? bad memories from school oh god <laughs> um I, I i affectionately title this story the uh, eighth grade aid from hell um she took it upon herself to be a little more chummy with my uh, english teacher than she needed to be. She uh, told my teacher um, behind my back that I had spent the previous night watching a Utah Jazz basketball game instead of doing my homework. But what she failed to tell the teacher or recognize was that I was doing the home I, I was doing my homework while studying, and there were a lot of um, nasty assumptions made. I got in trouble you, with... You'd ask the teacher for a reasonable accommodation with the assignment, if I remember the story right. Because you couldn't cut things out, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and you, you right. had This was a collage. Thank yeah, you. and at the age of 14, you didn't have the words to say, I need a reasonable accommodation for this assignment teacher. <laughs> yeah. And so because right. because so just a little aside for 
those of you who are listening, which is Tyler um, needs all the act- help with all the activities of daily living, um, help with dressing, help with bathing, help with eating. And one, we're going to have to have a whole podcast on being fed by a blind person <laughs> and, an and your three-year-old kid who has decided oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> that it is her job to feed dad <laughs> and yes. you really don't want her to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you had tried to explain, you know, that you needed a reasonable accommodation on this assignment and the teacher is just not, she's just not getting it. Right. She, she isn't getting it. I mean, the expectation now was that we would cut out, pictures, um, you know, whether they were out of a magazine or or copies of photos or things we'd drawn ourselves and glue them on to this poster board for, you know, for a collage. And thank you, I totally forgot about Yeah, that. yeah. And if you can't, you don't have the hand dexterity to feed yourself, <laughs> you but sure as how am I going don't have to... the hand dexterity to do that. How am I going to even begin to do this? So uh, I had asked for this accommodation. And I don't think I knew at the time that my aide had even gone behind my back to talk to my teacher. But my teacher denied uh, this accommodation. And uh, my Because you were asking for like an alternative... Assignment, uh, right? Way to do this. Yeah. 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 And my parents quickly got involved. And I, I, I don't remember the exact details. I think the, you know, they called the assistant principal um, who got involved. And um, I know at one point my dad had a phone conversation with my aide and I'm really grateful for for him and and standing up for me, um, you know, because he he set the record straight with her. By that time, unfortunately, the damage had already been done with my teacher. But I remember I remember sitting in a meeting with the teacher, with my aide, with my parents, and the assistant principal trying to straighten the situation out. And I remember, I remember watching my aide's feet as we were all seated in a circle. Uh, you know, I was in my chair and everyone else was in those student desks where the chair is attached to the desk. Uh-huh. And I watched my aide's feet kind of dancing around. And I think at that point she realized... Um, the gravity of her mistake and and was starting to uh, feel some guilt for her actions. But but I remember, so that was in eighth grade. And, and Wait, I want to go back for a second. Yeah. Um, so, like, as I watched you with, with getting help with, from me and from um, the, the caregivers that come, you're in like this really vulnerable position. Huh. I, I remember one time um, you're asking me for a glass of water. And it was this really poignant moment for me because like you're in your 30s <laughs> having <laughs> to ask for a glass of water. And 
I can go get a glass of water whenever I want. And so I want to know what is it like for you? Because the sage isn't just helping you with assignments, right? Isn't she helping you eat? Isn't she helping you use the bathroom and stuff? Yeah, she was helping me with all, all of it. All the personal care. So what is it like for you to have to get personal care from somebody who uh, is treating you in such a horrible manner? Gal, I remember it was just, it was awkward. I, I don't remember how long that aide remained with me after that incident, but uh, she was very cold toward me. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't remember what it was like, but, but, but knowing myself uh, the way I do now anyway, um, it would have been incredibly hard for me to ask for, for that kind of help, especially in the restroom. Um, it was, I remember it was a very, very uncomfortable uh, situation. And, um, you know, and it, it was uncomfortable for the remainder of my time at that, at that middle school. And then you got a new aid starting yeah. the next year. And yeah. I got a new aid. Yeah. And I got to be involved in the hiring process of that person. Never before had uh, I been involved. And which I was, is... And I was very grateful. Was, you should the, have been involved the whole damn time. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, I was grateful to the school for, and then the district, I guess, for allowing my involvement from there on out, I had some. Yeah, having involvement in the person who's going to help you pee. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Had some phenomenal aids thereafter. Yeah. And uh, anyway, takes one bad egg to discover uh, a better situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. So my probably hardest school memory is also a junior high. A junior huh. high is the worst. I hate it. I've heard junior high referred to as the uh, the black hole of kiddom. Oh, it's just I think it's true. Yeah, it's so true. Our, I, I hope our kids have better junior highs than we had. Anyway, so we had gone on a ninth grade trip to the wetlands. And I remember really enjoying this trip and getting to touch all these plants that we'd been reading about in our science book. and But the one thing that had happened... Um, so, okay, if you're using your cane correctly, <laughs> I have a seeing eye dog because I am a sucky cane user. Let it just be put on the record. Anyway, um, and if you're using your cane correctly, your cane is half a step ahead of you. So what should have happened is my cane should have gone in the hole. Well, it, it didn't. My foot <laughs> went in the hole. And I thought it was funny. So I half of my body is in a hole up to like mid thigh and I pull it out my foot out and I you know get the water out of my shoe and I just laugh were you with a bunch of friends yeah I was with a bunch of friends so you know we all laugh and wander off to look at more plants well the teacher sees this and she freaks out gotta love ableism anyway so the next semester is a trip to the zoo (laughs) and like the weekend before all this goes down where, you know, 
she has her little freak out about the blind student going to the zoo. I'd gone to the zoo with my big sister and her, um, like, five kids. So this is not anything, any big deal, but she decides that she doesn't want me going to the zoo with the rest of the students. And the there's... Teacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's this huge meeting that ends up happening with the teacher and the principal and my mom and the TVI stands for teacher of the uh, visually impaired, who was the lady who'd like transcribe things into Braille and put print under my Braille so the teachers could read it and stuff. So, and, and she refers to me in the meeting as a safety hazard and a burden, which of course. The could, teacher does, right? Yeah. The TVI. Uh, no, no, no. The teacher does. The teacher does. Yeah. And uh, I remember, I remember just crying about it. I, well, and I also remember arguing with the teacher. Like I remember talking to her. Like, why are you, why are you treating me like this? Like, <laughs> would you want to be treated like this? Would you like it if somebody did to you what you're doing to me? And she was just very defensive, and you know. I just don't think you're safe. And huh. and as a kid, you don't have, you don't always have the language to say, hi, would you like to learn about the term ableism? So the end result was that we all, I went to the zoo and the my TVI was the chaperone for my group, which I remember being really angry about that because I didn't want to be treated any differently. And my TVI is like, look, let's just let's just get through it. And the irony, of course, was that all these other kids are watched very carefully by their mommy chaperone. And my TVI didn't care what we did, so we went off and got to watch the bird show <laughs> that nobody else got to watch. Um, should we should we end on a positive note on school? Oh, of course. <laughs> okay. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to? Go ahead. Okay. So my positive, I guess my two positive notes were I, I had an obsession with the flute. Um, had? <laughs> okay. I have an obsession with the flute. And if I start to get grumpy around here. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's been way too long without practice. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, I I uh, I need to get my practicing. In. I had wanted to join the band in junior high and was told that blind people can't be in the band and <laughs> which is ridiculous. So, in high school, I had started studying the flute just privately and um the teacher didn't totally know what to do with me. And then my friend is like, "Look, hey, we come come join the marching band." We'll, we'll figure out a way to make it work. So I joined the marching band. And there's different techniques that blind people have come up with to be in a marching band. Um, one of them I didn't find out about until after, which I was kind of bummed because I guess I could have marched with the field shows. But in the parade, I marched with a guide who would be on my left and they would click with the drums so I could hear to keep up. It was harder to keep up with... Uh, when we were playing, <laughs> I, I was nearly ran into people quite a bit, but still it was fun to march the parades. And then um, I played with the pit and, um, and I also learned Braille music out of a book. And I, that teacher was always really, he was really kind. And my other favorite memory 
was uh, the, the ceramics teacher. He had my brother and he didn't like him much. <laughs> but he said he wouldn't hold that against me. And so That's nice. every time he saw me in the halls, this is Mr. Bamey, when are you taking my class? Like for my entire high school years, his dream was to have a blind student. Um, he had seen a documentary of a blind sculptor and this lady was sculpting somebody's face and she was sculpting exactly what she was, she was touching their face. Um, and then she was sculpting exactly what she was feeling. And he was just totally intrigued by this and aware of the, the idea that pottery is as tactile an art as you can, can, can get. And he wanted to know what is it going to be like for somebody whose primary means of seeing the world is through their fingers. What, what, what is ceramics going to be like for them? He really wanted to teach me. And so my last semester of high school, I finally caved <laughs> to his, mm. his pestering. <laughs> and I took his class and it was just so much fun. He was just great. He let me do, he just let me play whatever I wanted to do. I made this big pot and it was um, a dark blue pot of made of coil and then I covered it with splotches of silver paint and uh -huh. glued jewels all over it. <laughs> about right. Yep. <laughs> Sparkle Queen. And we went to this bronze foundry where they were making statues and he made sure that they showed me the process like so the this kind of oily clay that they used to start it. He he got a clump of that and made sure that I got to feel it and then the um the statue of, after that, they, they form it into wax and then they coat the wax and the bronze and the wax burns out because the, the metal's so hot. And so he let me feel the bronze uh, or the wax. It was of a little boy and he didn't, he had one leg on, they hadn't put the other leg on. Mm -hmm. And then I got to go and just touch all the made statues. It was really, it was just, it's so great when you have somebody who just gets it. Yeah. And who sees you as a person who, who, you know, adapts a little differently than the rest of the human population, but still is capable. Right, right. I think that's awesome. Um, I, I, I can think of a couple of stories. Uh, one, um, when I was in kindergarten, we had this amazing principal. Again, this was in the school where I spent half my day in the, in the cluster program with uh, uh, disabled students exclusively and then half the day integrated with um, my non-disabled peers but they set they set physical therapy goals for us and I remember one of the goals uh, that I had was to walk the length of of one of the halls in the school and I used a ring walker um, and leg braces that, that locked at the knees uh, to help support me. But uh, when, I, when I walked that hallway, uh, I was promised a popcorn party. And the great thing was that that popcorn party wasn't just for me. It was for all of my classmates. It was, you know, so we all got to celebrate each other's accomplishments together. And I, I think certainly there was some behind the scenes 
arrangements and communication with with my parents um, about that goal and, and what to work toward. Um, well, should we maybe end with... Um, so the last kind of question that I saw in StoryCorps that I think might be interesting to talk about um, is what did you think your life would be like growing up? Like, what did you want to do? What did you, did you picture yourself being a parent? What did you, what, what did you kind of hope for? Huh. Or do you, do you want me to answer first? What do you think? Yeah, okay. I know. Okay. Go ahead. So I have my oldest sister is 13 years older than I am. And um, my oldest nephew is five years younger than I am. So I was I was just five, like five and a half when he was born. And uh, my sister has six kids and her kids are like the younger siblings I didn't, huh. you know, have. And um, my oldest nephew growing up and I were just, we were really, we were buddies. He um, he's a speed reader and he loved to read books out loud and to me and we just thoroughly enjoyed hanging out. And my sister has been a stay at home mom um, with them. And I just really admired, I admired her so much. Um, I remember her listening to the parenting with love and logic books, um, an audio book about giving your kids choices and I, I, I did a lot of eavesdropping mm-hmm. on her when, you know, when they were renting a house and Aaron decided to beat the tree into submission with a stick. I thought, hmm, how is Trish going to handle this situation? Well, I'll just go listen in. You know? yeah. So yeah. she, you know, taught Aaron, we're, we're renting the house. Um, you know, we can't be beating. She, you know, she tries reading, reasoning with them, and, um, and it worked. You know, and I just, I, so admired her, uh, and I, I wanted that, um, to be a mom growing up. I wanted to get married and be a mom. I wanted to teach. I was a history education major, and um, then a job came open at our local center for the blind to teach the cooking class. And I applied for it. Um, I was almost done with my degree and I didn't, I didn't think I was gonna get it, but to my complete shock, I got it. <laughs> and um, I actually wouldn't have applied for that except you said. I think you should. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, I just think you should apply for it. So yeah. I did, I got the job and um, we'll have to, tell work stories on a podcast and I found that I loved it I loved to watch newly blind people um get their lives back I remember uh a student came in (laughs) and she um had ushers so she had hearing loss and she was slowly losing more and more vision Mm -hmm. and um she was a a nursing case manager, so she was still able to adapt with her disability. And she's just such a neat lady. And she said, I used to be able to make French fries. I was known for my French fries. Mm-hmm. And I, I I said, all right, well, we will make French fries. And then I called my supervisor. I said, how do I make French fries? <laughs> what do I do for a deep fryer? How do I do this? And so he, he showed me how to use a deep fryer. He was blind himself, but he had taught 
his, uh, a cooking class at a different center for years. So he was always a great resource. And, um, and he said, we're going to start with hush puppies because you can hear them as they turn mm. over. And so there's this crowd of blind people <laughs> that work there that are like, oh, I want to learn how to make hush puppies. And so everybody's visiting away. <laughs> and he goes, you have to be able to hear the deep fryer. And if you don't all stop talking, I'm leaving. And I'm like, shut up, everybody. Shut up. I have to teach this tomorrow. No talking. Huh. And so anyway, we, uh, so he taught me how to make, how to use a deep fryer. And blind people can talk. Oh, it's true. <laughs> and so... Which is a good thing. Yes. So the next day, after this student had made the the um, the French fries, I brought some over to our uh, woodshop class. Most most uh, training centers for, for blind people who are adults um, include an industrial arts component. So a lot of them have a woodshop where you uh, learn how to use all that kind of equipment and... And um, that's its own group of stories taking that class. But anyway, I gave some to our woodshop teacher and he said, I have one complaint about those French fries. I said, what's that? And he said, there aren't any more. So huh. I was pretty excited. Do you want to talk about kind of what your hopes were? I think, I think my hopes were very similar. I wanted to get a college education. Um, I wanted to get a good job and, and be married and have kids. Um, you know, it, it's, it's fun and great and wonderful to, to dream about all of that. And I think certainly we've achieved all of that. And uh, then living, living day to day is uh, certainly uh, some days a dose of reality. But, but I remember um, as a, as a kid, my first ambition was to be a bus driver. <laughs> I loved, I just loved, I mean, I sat on the bus, um, you know, every day, twice a day, picking, you know, my fellow friends up, uh, classmates up, uh, in the mornings and going to school and then doing the reverse at night, dropping us all home and I thought it was just fun to watch the bus drive along and and as a kid I I had a couple of toy buses I would play with and pretend I was I was doing that but um uh you know I have so much uh respect love and gratitude for bus drivers because they certainly impact my life on a daily basis okay best best off the subject bus driver story you want to hear it yes okay jerk bus driver (laughs) okay so when we had moved in to our condo we were getting up at 20 minutes after four and i was getting us both ready for work and um if you caught the bus just right uh you would get to work at seven and then I would have an hour to practice the flute. And if you didn't catch the bus just right, you had to stand out in whatever weather mother nature chose to send for about 30 minutes. And it was this really tight connection between the train and the bus. And I met up with this group of people 
that worked over in that complex of government-run buildings. And uh, this one, these one people would just, I mean, they would run the mile, man. They would sprint and catch the bus. And so I got really good. So I was with uh, this other lady, and we would kind of follow behind him. And they wouldn't make sure that we caught the bus. Well, there was this, this day that you had a nasty cold. And I was really, it was very kind of you to be sick that day. Because yeah. I, I stayed home to help take care of you. Oh, that's right. And I, oh boy, did I hear the story the next day. So this group of like five or six people, they do their usual tear off to the bus. And I'm pretty sure that that day was a substitute bus driver because our normal guy was really kind. He was just like, he was so great. And um, so they go do their tear off to the bus. And just as they're pulling into the bus stop, the bus is driving away. And everybody on the bus is yelling for the driver to stop, stop, stop. Because what was going on that day was it was a horrible, horrible blizzard that you did not want to stand out in. And the next bus was an hour late. So all those poor people had to stand in a blizzard for just under an hour waiting for the next bus. But because you were sick, bless your heart, I was home and snuggled in bed. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) The joys of being married to a wheelchair user who needs help when he's ill. (laughs) That's right. So, um... Next week, we are going to talk about married life and how we met and all that good stuff. And um, and then um, we're going to talk about just giving an outline. Do you think that's okay for listeners? Yeah, of course. So next week, we're going to talk about married life and how we met and what early married life was like and dating and stuff. And then the next week, we're going to talk about our journey to become parents because it wasn't uh, wasn't easy. And then the next week, <laughs> we'll finally have children and we'll talk about what it's like to be pregnant. And um, I was the one who was pregnant. I've, it's always this little pet peeve when the... the, the um, when the guy says... When the guy says, we're pregnant. I'm like, yeah, you're not puking your guts out. <laughs> you're not pregnant. <laughs> but we certainly have sympathy... Emotions. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's some great stories. That very angry text I sent you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I think you're still traumatized over that one. <laughs> oh, yes. Anyway, and then, um, and then we'll talk about parenting. And um, next week we'll talk about parenting and giving birth and raising babies and how how that adapting all works. At the time of recording, we're still getting everything set up for this, but our hoped for email address is cripparenting at gmail.com. And you are welcome to send us an email, uh, any questions you have. Um, Also, if you have a story to tell, we're hoping to interview people. Um, If you have a disability and you have an interesting story, if you, your parents were disabled or, um, Anything, uh, anything like that, um, shoot us a line. We're, we're hoping that this podcast isn't just us. Yeah, we'd love, we'd love for people to come some on. Some community and, involvement and, and to hear your stories too. Yeah, 
So anyway, we'll be back next week with more, <laughs> more of the, the crip parenting, how we all, how we adapt with disabilities. This podcast is gratefully dedicated to the people of the disability civil rights movement. Every time we use public transportation, go to work, go to a school event with our children, we are living in the world you made possible. podcast has been about a nine month project from journey journey <laughs> journey mm-hmm. from uh me suggesting this idea to you and you saying yeah let's do it so there's a few people that i'd really like to thank who were really encouraging to us first of all jonathan mosen his podcast is mosen at large he has always been at the front of all the new technology that comes out and Fortunately for many of us, he's blind, and so he figures out how to do this accessibly and then passes on his information. Jonathan's Unleash Your Inner Podcast course was very helpful to me. And also, Jonathan, if you listen to this, thank you so much for the phone call that we had several months ago where you were so encouraging and gave me some great suggestions. Um, I am not one of those people that can pick at technology and just learn it. I'm one of those people that freaks out. Amen. (laughs) And threatens to throw computers through windows. So I needed somebody who could show me what to do and how to run Reaper. That's the editing software we're using. And thank you so much to Scott Chesworth, who is an absolutely outstanding Reaper teacher. You know you really know your stuff when the there's a thread on the Reapers Without Peepers email list of thank you, Scott. <laughs> so thank you, Scott. Um, our logo was really fun to design. Do you want to describe our logo? Sure. So our logo uh, says in the center in big white lettering that runs at an angle from lower left to upper right, Crip Parenting, with a subtitle of How We Adapt. Uh, It's on an orange background in the upper left corner of the logo. It's a black and white photo of um, two people in wheelchairs. Uh, One is holding a sign that says Freedom Rider, and the other person is holding a sign that says Buses Are For Everyone. Um... And then in the lower right corner of the logo, it has a picture of the of our family um, uh, showing all of us boarding a light rail train uh, with a uh, what do you call it a, a ramp? Yeah, using the access ramp allows us to board the train. So and those is, used to not be around. <laughs> it, is, it is quite the contrast that 
that we aimed to show here. And then in the bottom left corner of, of the logo, there is in a row uh, a stick figure, an uh, individual in a wheelchair, uh, next to a uh, woman stick figure who is holding a harness for a stick figure dog, and then two stick figure uh, girls who are next to that. So that is our logo. Thank you so much to Jose Chavez for uh, his help to design that. Yes, and we also had a friend who came and took our picture that day. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, we would be uh, remiss if we failed to uh, thank Eric Vance for his amazing photography skills. And uh, also, quite honestly, I want to give a major shout-out to the Utah Transit Authority for uh, allowing us to do this and for... Um, getting us to work and concerts for, and yeah, for getting us <laughs> dinners to and... <laughs> allowing us to live to live our lives and to to do it accessibly. So our, uh, our many, many thanks go to the Utah Transit Authority. Our music um, was composed by one of my all-time favorite uh, 21st century composers, Mary Lou Prince. I love your stuff, Mary Lou Prince, because you believe in melody, and I just, I really loved the piece that you... Um, let us use for your our podcast. It was called Full Moon Rising. Absolutely beautiful. The accompanist on that is Damien Garwood from the UK, one of those amazing musicians who can hear it and just play it. So thank you, Damien. Um, our recording engineer on our piece was Chris Castellanos of Boston Brass, who very generously donated his time uh, and his ears <laughs> Chris is the Alba Stumbledore of recording engineers. He's <laughs> so great. <laughs> the, al the two alto flutes that you hear on that piece are me and my beloved flute teacher, Christina Castellanos. I am a better flutist and better person because you are in my life, Tina. And then thanks for to you, dear, for all your <laughs> encouragement and reminding me that this is... Um, this is a... Uh Labor a labor of that's love. intended to be fun and not stressful, <laughs> but um, we are finally here. This is this is thrilling, and Tara, thank you for for thinking of this. 